podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, Kules. Welcome to Barca Talk. I'm your host, Gabriel Quiroga, here in the Spanish capital. In today's episode, we talk about Barcelona's victory against Atletico de Madrid, how Ter Stegen's injury is going to affect the team, and a quick preview of the Girona match. Before we dive into today's topics, I have a special invitation for all you Barca fans out there. If you are craving more Barca content, we got the perfect hub for you, our Patreon community. It's not just a community, it's a virtual pena where your passion for FC Barcelona finds company and conversation. For just five bucks a month, here are some of those perks you receive. Dive into commercial-free episodes of Barca Talk. It's all football, no interruption. Be part of our international WhatsApp group where Barca chatter never ends, especially during the matches. Get insightful post-game match reports and obviously help support the podcast. Hit that link in the show notes and join our virtual pena. Let's get into today's episode right after this brief break. All right, as I said in the top of the show, we have some topics to review. And joining me in today's episode is Remy Dixon. Remy, how are you doing? Doing well, doing well. Looking forward to this episode. Yeah, I thought it would be a good change up, um, especially since I have Puente, as we were talking before. We have a nice week here in Spain. We have Wednesday and Friday off. So I thought it'd be a good opportunity, especially with the end of the year coming for us to record uh, this episode. I'm going to be recording with Craig in the following week. But, you know, we just wanted to get, you know, a little Barca talk here on the last weekend's performance and obviously the Ter Stegen injury and also the Girona preview. Um, let's go into the Atletico Madrid because I think just from face value, I think it was one of the best all-around performances of the year from top to bottom. And I just kind of want to get your first kind of reactions to that match on from Sunday night as Barcelona beat uh, Atletico Madrid one nothing. Yeah, I mean, I fully agree with you. I think that we were everything that we've been wanting as fans in this game. I think it built very strongly on the performance against Porto. But this was a team that's a good team in our league, one of the challengers, a team that we will have to beat to win the league. Um, It was just a performance that, you know, it was built on this foundation, but then also we really went forward and we took the game to them in a way that we haven't done in the past um, many games. I mean, I, my fear was that we would do what we've tried to do in many games prior to this, right? Where we, we were timid, we went out and we tried to get a goal and defend. And this was the exact opposite. It, it, we were attacking from, from moment one to the end, and I loved every moment of it. Yeah, and one of the special or the main characters of this match was definitely Joe Felix, obviously playing his former club, and obviously there was a lot of back and forth prior to the match with Griezmann's comments and Simeone's comments before talking about Joe Felix. Again, I think it was Joe Felix, one of his best matches in a Barca uniform, but, you know, before we get into kind of praising his performance in this match, you know, we have to kind of take his season so far into context. You know, we've been kind of frustrated with the lack of goal scoring he has been providing because essentially he hadn't scored since September prior to the Porto and now the Atletico Madrid match. And obviously he's been kind of finding his form. But, you know, as we always talk and I and I like this, uh, you know, when we talk, when you always bring up, is this sustainable? 
right? Is this consistent? And that's the thing we're just asking from Joe Felix. I think it was a bit of obviously being enchufado for the Atletico rival, obviously trying to show up Simeone. But Ben, I don't understand why he can't maybe play at a level very close to that going forward. And, and if he does, he provides so much attack and ability and alleviates the pressure from Lewandowski. So do you think this is something sustainable for Felix? Or do you think this is just, again, another blip as we saw in September? I mean, I that's such a tough one because his career has been marked with this, right? Like the reason he is not a world-class player is because he can't do this or has not shown that he can do this week in, week out. I think I said it a couple of weeks ago where it was like, what is it? Is it, is it the man? He's changed managers. He's been at three different managers, you know, since coming to Let's Go Madrid. It was at Chelsea. He's now here. And at both places, it's been glimpses. And even I will say before the talk of him coming to Barcelona, when he went to Chelsea, I remember watching and being like, Oh, you know, I don't like Chelsea, but I want to see what this player can do away from Simeone. Like, I want to see what an unleashed Zhao Felix looks like and got that in glimpses there. Now he's here and we see it in glimpses. So sustainably, I, I he is such an enigma because you don't know if it's the system. You don't know if it's the manager. You don't know if it's it, – it seems like it might be spite. <laughs> like, you know, it might be – hey, I need to prove something because he his first game here was pretty good. It was like, oh, like he's trying to prove. I mean, I said it when we were talking about getting him. I've personally felt like him being at Barcelona was better for his career than it was for us. It, it worked out for us because of we needed a player like him with that caliber and uh, under our current circumstances, we're not getting that in the traditional ways of where we identified a really good talent they knew our club badge. We paid a lot of money. They came here. That wasn't the case here. So we got this player that I felt like we're probably not going to be able to afford properly when this is all done. So this is his training ground to say, hey, I'm actually worth a lot of money. Pay me a lot of money to get me away from Atletico. Um, so I've always thought it would be better for him than us. And, you know, if we can get this performance for the rest of the season and it catapults us to near heights, that's going to be the best case for us. But I just, I don't know what it is. It's going to bring this out every day, unless every team talks shit about him before the game. <laughs> exactly. Because as you said, you know, in September, he scored against Porto this past week against Porto and Atletico Madrid. So those are two spite, I mean, three of the spiteful teams or matches where he performed pretty high, you know, and that's the thing. Again, I, I'm still on the fence about him because you see the talent. I mean, that goal that he scored is something out of world-class style, right? The chip of that mm -hmm. angle against All Black, especially him coming full force and the calm, the calmness of Jao Felix to finish that in that moment. Again, I think, you know, you have the glimpses. And I think that's always the hardest thing with this type of player that we've seen come through Barcelona where you have glimpses but there's not the consistency and again i don't we're going to talk about the midfield after this but again i don't know if it was finally because we had a true midfield pushing driving maybe that gave the pressure off Jao felix where he can just focus on the attack but you know during the match as well atletico madrid were pretty much focusing on him as well i mean they committed so many fouls on him and so forth and he was able to move on from that so again i'm looking forward to seeing 
now against Girona, where it's going to be an important match this weekend, you know, league leaders on how Felix can perform. And my other question for you is on that left side. Are we now, are, are we, have, have we seen the last of Balde on the left side, especially with Cancelao being on the, on the left? I mean, I think it's an interesting one because, I mean, Cancelo's performance in Porto on that left side was, like, you see that and you go, you this is this is where he was meant to play, right? He saved us. But he did. He did. Yeah. And I mean, more than that, right? He saved us, yeah. but also like, like that was that was a perf- a single player performance that was a, just one of the better, just single players, just grabbing the game and going, "This is my game," right? Like, so we were saved, but it was also just like above just saving us it was something that was different right um so it was one of the special performances i would say of a player in any given game situation um i i think he was good on that side against atletico i don't i think the thing that makes it a better side for him is that he can cut on his right foot right so that's great i don't think that we've I think if you had a situation where you were playing Araujo and Kunde in the center as center backs, I personally wouldn't, I would try Balde at right back. Like, I don't think he is a, he's deserved to be dropped. He's not Alonzo. He wasn't, we weren't missing anything. And even to the, to the point of when me, you and Craig started out this season, we were talking about how good he was and how he keeps getting better and how he was going to have all these assistant things. And to see him being, dropped essentially is is interesting especially when you know that uh Kunde and Araujo don't per se want to be playing right backs they're not bad at it they're actually very good at it but like that's not what they want to do so I I will say I don't think there's an issue with playing the two of them as center backs I think actually that could be our best center back pairing the one game that we did that was the Champions League game um was it wasn't the was it the first Porto game? Mm-hmm. I think it was, and they played very well back there. They went back, got balls, things like that. Um, so, if I were Xavi, I would put Cancelo on the left, try Balde on the right, see what happens there, and if that doesn't work, then you drop him permanently. But I don't think it should be a situation where he's just dropped because he hasn't. I don't think he's deserved to lose his spot. Yeah, I'm just kind of looking at the back line right now on who scored, and I'm just kind of like thinking about it. I, th- I just think, you know, with our depth right now on the back line, that it's pretty strong. And like you said, the way that Arahu and Kunde can play right back, but they don't want to. Why are we trying to force them to? I mean, I, I feel that either having Cancelo on the right and Balde on the left, we don't lose that much defensive integrity. You know, it's not all of a sudden there's a huge drop off and on on shutouts and goals allowed and this type of thing, especially when you have Arahu Christensen or um, Kunde playing in, in the center back position. I think having the flexibility of Gonzalao and Balde on the wings just gives our attack that much more teeth, right? Because unfortunately for how good Kunde is, let's say when he plays right back, uh, you know, covering those distances on the back, he's just not as good attacker as Balde or uh Cancelo on the on on the attack you know and so because he doesn't want to like that's not his position right like you can kind of see when he does the cross he doesn't take it all the way to the end line he takes it before because he knows he's got defensive responsibilities and he'd rather cover that 
And so I think it's the yin and the yang. It's like, what do you, what are you looking for in the match? Like, again, I think if Chavi were to say it's a do or die match, I think he's going to roll out this defensive line going forward with Cancelo on left and the rest of the guys moving forward. Now let's, let's, do you have any other last thoughts about yeah, Joe yeah. Felix? Oh, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, I think the thing with that is the question, it's like, it, it comes down to a, I need to play certain players, right? Because that's what it feels like. Because the fact that he wants to have Kunde and Araujo on the pitch on our defensive line says that he knows that they are two of our best. But like, not to take anything away from Martinez, not to take anything away from Christensen. But for me, the fact that we haven't tried Kunde and Araujo in the center correct consistently to say this actually doesn't work there one is too forward thinking one is too back like but they are our fastest defenders or center backs they are our most mobile they are our most i mean very like other than kunde i can't remember which it was a couple of games back where he just had a bad game from like a passing standpoint and things like that like those things are likely to happen every now and then but we bought kunde as a center back we have Araujo. We knew Araujo was going to be one of our leaders. He's a captain. Like, he's there. So if you know that you want to have both of them on the pitch, why don't you build this center back pairing between Araujo and Kunde? This this was going to be my question for you because, you know, in normal modern football, how hard is it to find elite center back pairings? You know? Yeah, I, it's <laughs> crazy. It's, and we have that. And for us to just be like, Play like right even, back. Yeah, like <laughs> even the, the talks the uh, like earlier this season of like, oh, we might sell Kunde because we have Christensen or something. It's like Christensen and Martinez should be backups because Correct. we have two center backs that are much better than them in almost all facets of the game. And again, not taking anything away from Christensen or the pairing that Christensen and Araujo have signs or even Martinez and Kunde had. But – they are backups to the two better. I think any team, if they had these two, would put them at center back. Correct. Correct. And let that go off and see what happens. Until it proves otherwise, that should be your center back pairing. I mean, just thinking about this, I would have always Kunde and Rahu up the center back and then have Christensen come in the last 20 minutes of each match and then just rotate those players just to keep them fresh in minutes. You're still getting a lot of Christensen. He, he still provides excellent value for you you don't lose anything as a center back as we've seen from him and to me it's just a matter of managing the minutes and the load right because Kunde and Arahu are very intense they don't know yet how to kind of control their bodies if we've seen Arahu getting injured for many times uh, during the season I think that's the best thing you can get to me it's it's still fascinating that Chavi's willing to gamble on this defensive line so much and not do the same with the front three you know, and that in that way, yeah. it's and, and the the thing that I think for me is even crazier is we won the league last year based on defense. We right. still have these pieces, and we could build on those pieces. But even when you're talking about Araujo's injuries, I feel like a lot of them is because he's playing right back and like yeah, on the field in ways that he shouldn't. Because he Araujo has that Puyo PK gene of like if you let me go forward, I will go forward. Correct. Right. Correct. And if you put me in a right back position, I am a defender first, but I will go forward and try to help and then also try to bust my lungs to get back. And that's where you get these injuries. These two should be wrapped. They should be like we I felt like we didn't progress in the Champions League last year, partly because of how we were playing 
which is a lot on Xavi, but also because of the injuries. It was sad that he had those defensive injuries, Kunde and Araujo, so early in, and that really killed us because sure. well, we had to play Eric Garcia. We had to do a lot of these things that we didn't want to. And now we have a solid set of wingbacks and center backs, and somehow we keep rotating in a way that doesn't really – like they're not building chemistry. Exactly. That, that was going to be my next thing. You know, the chemistry for big games, you know, yeah. for moments when you have to understand your positioning on counterattacks, when they're crucial to understand your positioning with your other center back. And, and it's not to say that they don't have that with Christensen. But again, as we talked about, of the three, if you were taking the two best, it's going to be Kunin Arahu just on everything that you tick, you know, for everything that you look for. And again, I think Christensen can still give you 20 minutes a match spell one of the guys and you still are using all of that you know you're helping the workload and again i just think having stability on the back line is one of the most important things you can have in football right because that we can you know put in pencil every time and say these are the four and they have that chemistry i think is really important the fact that he continues because like if we're playing madrid arahu goes to the right you know and all yeah. of a sudden we you know it's like this weird you know and so i don't know i think it's 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 a fascinating thing that we we need to see developing the rest of the year now i want to get into the midfield because i think this is a really important so with the midfield i think we finally saw a full-on healthy Diong and pedri finally that were able to last you know more than 80 minutes uh because you know in the last match against porto you can see them kind of struggling they're obviously recovering from injury as you know when when that happens but man uh, you know, we were talking a couple weeks ago with Craig about, you know, if Dion comes and the team doesn't look better, what's going to happen then? But, uh, you know, fortunately so far, man, Dion is taking his game to another level. He is a difference maker. And more importantly, what I love to see now, when he sees the moment to counter, he is taking that moment and taking everyone with him. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. He is He is a difference maker. He is a game changer. He's what we've been missing in a lot of ways. And I, I, it, it saddens me to say that because I don't want to take anything off of a manager that still has a lot of great players. When you lose a player like De Jong, like we should be being that much better with him, not dependent, right? And we look so much better with him. That's great. I love that. Um, I think I said it a couple of weeks ago. It's like this idea that, you know, I was one of those people where, for like two years before Busquets retired, I was like, we need to be treating De Jong as the successor. He needs to be getting into the, like he, it should have been much sooner that De Jong has been elevated to this place that he is now. He's that player has always been there. Right. And it feels like the same thing of like building chemistry slash like growing these players to be in, right. Like even when you, what you just talked about, kind of a callback to this idea of big games, Rajo switches to the right. Right. Like, but if you have, if you've been playing Balde or Cancelo or anybody in those positions slowly and building up that confidence and building up that confidence, when you come to a big game, you don't need to make a big change from one of your players that should be somewhere else to be over here because you don't have a good enough cover for that, right? Um, all that to be said, it's like Frankie de Jong has been that player and it's, it's great that everybody's finally seeing it now. It's crazy that there was a moment that we could have lost this player. Correct. Um, <laughs> seeing how him, important he is to us now. It's, it's absolutely absurd. But he's always been that. And I think a lot of people saw that this was the player that we bought and wanted to see. 
I think one of my favorite things is just when he gets that first touch and just leans into going and then just goes. Mm Because, you know, that is that is such a I think a hidden kind of touch in football, you know, to have just so much control like that depending on the pace, the bounce that's coming to you to control it and turn it and almost kind of olay it, you know, in a way, and yeah. also use your body to protect it from the defender because the defender is, wasn't, you know, a couple times against Atletico, a couple of the defenders thought he was going to pass it back and was reacting that way. And all of a sudden he just turned and went, you know, and I think that is such a nice, it's so smooth, you know, like when you watch this type of football, you're just like, oh, that is something I could not do consistently, you know, like maybe once out of 10 times, hopefully, you know, but the way yeah. he's able to do it so smooth, depending on doesn't matter the type of pass he's receiving, he's getting that. And obviously, you know, Pedri had a, a nice match as well. And on top of that, you know, having those two players elevates Gundogan because I think yeah. Gundogan had one of his best matches. We shared a, a great graphic in our WhatsApp group about the activity. I think the activity on top of that was just more, aggressive you know obviously we had the possession numbers we 58 percent we had a bunch of passes more than 600 passes we fit all those you know basic stats that we usually have in a match but as we've always been complaining for this season this time it had teeth and it was attacking and we were taking chances and that was really exciting to watch on sunday night yeah like what you said about that moment where frankie de jong looks like people the other players are anticipating he's going to pass it back and he turns and goes forward. That was the key difference, right? In situations where we would have passed it two yards back, lost the attack, we were going forward. And that's the thing that I said in the Porto game, that's the shift. And I mean, I remember saying in the WhatsApp group, it's like, Oh, Xavi, it seems like he's figured out a way to dominate possession and go forward, which is a thing we've always said you can do. You can have possession, you can pass the ball a bunch and you can still attack. Um, I don't know what the shift has been. I don't know if it's, oh, we've gotten these players back, so now I feel more confident. But we had these players earlier in, and we weren't doing that. We've had these players, we had them at large parts of last year, and we weren't moving forward in the way that we've been moving these last two games. Um, You're right, that activity, Gunagon does look better um, with them. One of the questions I think I have about our midfield and, and these last two games really is, to what extent has Gavi's injury prompted how we go forward, right? Um, because when you think about the Porto game, the second Porto, um, I, had he had already served his ban, right? He would have been back yeah. to that Porto game. Yeah. yeah. So knowing where Gavi sits on this team, by all conventional wisdom of what Xavi's done in the past, it would have said that Xavi lines us up with four midfielders, including Gavi, Pedri, Gundogan, and two attackers. But he couldn't do that, so we got the three attackers. We got three attackers this game. I There's a big question of, like, would Xavi have done that? Would Xavi have sat Gavi if Gavi were fit? Or would we have gone with four? And I think by just how that four in the midfield works, play differently. That's a question. Yeah, I, I knowing Javi, I, I think he would have gone with the four and two. I think he he values Gavi Gavi's you know play and considers him a full on starter. And I think in that moment, also just to have more numbers in the possession could have also helped out Lewandowski as well because we need to have that conversation in a second. But I think 
you know, again, it just shows you how fragile our midfield is right now, right? Because if we lose another player right now, it's two steps back, you know? Right now, the three of them playing together, it seems to be the best three, right? They seem to be going on the right foot forward, being healthier, and we're seeing that's what's going to be interesting on Sunday night now because now it's going to be three matches in a row that this midfield is going to be playing together. And again, as we've talked about, we've been kind of disappointed with Gundogan's performances. Uh, and maybe that's because he's had a different role. He's had to have more defensive responsibility than he did at Man City. But as you can see, hopefully we, we're going to get a better uh, effort from him going forward. And then obviously with De Jong and Pedri. All right, let's do this. Let's have the Lawa conversation because I think we need to. Because the thing is, in the match, he had five shots. and. Three of those, if I remember correctly, when he was on Bayern, he would smash them against Barca every single time, right? Against everybody. Against everyone. And we have to have this question. I mean, it is great timing that Vitor Roque is coming in this transfer window because he is a number nine. He is a young talent. Now, I'm not saying he gets the full-on playing time right off the bat, but, man, he's going to light a fire on Lewandowski because Lewandowski can be sat now because we do have a true number nine but man i'm just i'm so i don't even know what the word is because i was never a full fan of this move at the beginning but obviously when they sign him i'm like okay great we have a number nine but man when you like when you think about suarez's last years at least he was still converting goals you know maybe he wasn't moving as much but the thing is that's the thing that we um, we're lacking so much from Lewandowski. He's having such a terrible season and we can you know we can always debate whether it's the service and this but the thing is you know it was just really made clear in this match when he had these clear opportunities he was unable to convert them. Yes, okay. So I fully agree. But I will say we got to like the context of this, right? Like this was okay, this was the first game that I have been like, wow, this is what people, I think for the last, there have been many games where people have been coming at him. He's not the striker we need. He's not playing well. He's done. He's washed. And in a lot of those games, I would have said, Hey, he's not getting the service. He's not getting like, so I feel like a lot of the criticism of him up until this game were around things that were out of his control. It wasn't like he was like, and I would, I would say it a couple of different times. How many times have Lowe been standing in front of goal with a ball, one-on-one with the keeper and just missed it in the old Ferran Torres ways, right? He wasn't doing that because he wasn't getting those chances. This is the first game in a very long time where, as you said, there were three, at least three opportunities that he should have scored. Like I remember the cross in that, like that one where I was like, Dude, that's that's <laughs> you all day. Like the header. Correct. Not, like, not only that, but the, the other one, the volley, was a Bayern special. Like that yeah, is something that, you know. You all day, right? So this is the first game where I was like, oof, he's off. That was, that was. But to be fair, if in the next game he gets these chances and he does the same thing, then I can say, okay, now I'm really on this thing, right? But for me, he, I would to his credit, I would say he's been so starved of the chances that perhaps you need a little to dust off the rust a bit to get back into your goal scoring mentality. Because even against Porto, I would say one of the things that he did best in that game was he actually was, 
he he came back and helped move us forward in a way that we hadn't been like he hadn't been productive in it in the past he'd been trying to do that but it was like oh now you're too far back but when he would come back he would get the ball up to a an attacker that's moving forward because we had two other wingers around him right so it was really productive against Porto in this, in the Atletico game, he was actually up there for service and got the service and it wasn't working out. So hopefully against Rona, he gets the service and we can see what he can do when he's actually getting service and is aware he's going to get that service now. Right. So I would give him another game or two before I'm like, Oh, his legs are done. He's, he's washed. Right. But I do agree. Victor Roque coming in, was always a thing that we needed. Sure. It's always you know having a young striker. We've needed a proper number nine, a young nine. Even back when Suarez was here, a lot of us were like, hey, we should get a young nine that can take over when this is done. Um but yeah, I mean it was just judging on the Atletico game, that was that was a bad striker's performance and a, a performance that is on Lewandowski-esque. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, my only pushback on that is I, I get what you're saying with the service and everything, but again, he is a world elite number nine, and he's had so many games this season to at least get two or three more goals when he should have. And so that's where I, I kind of push back on that. You know, I understand you can't uh, convert if you don't get as much service, but also in the same line, like, yeah, we are, as a team, we are struggling to find goals. You have to, you know, be the guy. Yeah. Like, I mean, realistically that Atletico game should have been three. Sure. Should have been at least three. We did very well. And and that was actually my fear, especially in the first half, right? Because so many of those chances came in the first half. I was like, we've scored one, but we've had like at least three other like really good chances. My fear was that Xavi comes out of the locker room second half and goes, all right, let's shut up shop. We've tried, and then we end up with a tie, and we hear, we suffered. We had our chances, but, you know, we <laughs> suffered. Um, and I love it, that it, phrase. Yeah, I, I, my favorite <laughs> phrase. I swear. If I uh, – anyway, you know, like, but it was – we didn't do that. We came out, and we kept going. We kept attacking. So um, should have been more, but, yeah, you know, I, I give them, like, two more games – before I'm going to start really like. Yeah. I mean, look, my, my only thing is I, I just use the basketball comparison. It's like sometimes the best player has to put the team on his back and just show up and do something in a moment, right. As a superstar. And just looking back at the last six or seven games, you know, I, again, I understand that maybe the service wasn't there, but I mean, at least one or two moments there, you know, that's all we're asking just to get us through to some breathing room through these matches. And now, you know, who knows, maybe because, you know, our midfield is back now that we can give him the proper service. Because in this match, like you said, we were actually giving him service. Now, really quick, just to put a bow on this match, the substitutions in the second half on the attack line, I thought were a little bit alarming in that he takes out Zhao and Rafinha and then leaves in Lewandowski. I know in our WhatsApp group, people were like losing their minds about this. I, I was too, because to me, it's like, like, I want to see Rafinha score. And I think he was like itching on the door to score. And and Jao Felix was having a really good match. Not to say that the two players that he brought in didn't hold their end of the bargain, but again, I I thought those two players were so vital to our attack, and they were they were they were searching for that second goal. So, what were kind of your thoughts on that substitution? Yeah, I mean, I was watching with the penny, and a lot of people were calling for those substitutions much earlier, and mm. I was I, they were calling for subs. 
like a couple of people were like, oh, we should put Lamine Yamal in. And I was like, the way Zhao Felix is getting just yeah. kicked, I do not want that for that kid. I don't like, I think he needs to be older and stronger to be in a match where he can, where they're going to come at him like that. Right. Um, but yeah, I thought leaving Lewandowski in was a weird one. Um, it's, but par for the course for Xavi. There have been yeah. multiple different times where we've seen players struggling and they weren't the ones that were pulled. Rafinha, I hear you. Like he was, he was knocking on the door and you know, I, I'll keep saying it. He, he's, he's, he's close. He's not there. Like he was dangerous against Porto. He was, but you know, like I feel like that first run that he had, right. Where he cuts through a bunch of people and then the right foot finishes just like, bro, what do you, yeah, you know, uh, look, I'm still frustrated by him, and I know, I know in our like in our WhatsApp group, a lot of people are pro Rafinha and stuff. But man, I'm still like for the amount of movement and the lack of goals. Like I, you know, to me as a winger, I just need more goals from you. You know, and and I always find it fascinating to me is that you know when you watch Messi and you do a deep dive of like how he scored and stuff. I mean, how many times did he just pass the ball in? knowing angles. And I don't understand why these players don't take that into effect. Every time Rafinha, Rafinha is looking for YouTube highlight goals, you know, where he's going to ping them off as opposed to just looking at the goalie, just really quick snapshot and saying goalies to the right. I'm just going to guide it to the left as opposed to skying it. You know, that's my, my major concern because we need goals, you know, and to me, he has the ability to score goals and he's just not doing it. For me, it's also like one, I think that the difference is, you know, you get those the the argument of like Messi against Ronaldo in certain ways, and I had friends, especially Brazilian friends, they'd be like, "Messi doesn't do anything. It's not fun to watch." And it's like, no, a body faint, a simple like, "I see your momentum is going really fast this way. I'm just going to turn this way." Like, it might not have been a seven stepovers, but it was still something. It's the subtle things that like may not be super highlights if you don't if you don't see it, it ostentatious, right? It's like, it's, it's the Rolex versus the really like, it's the diamond studded, uh, Audemars versus like a classy Rolex, right? Like sure. both are quality, but like one is just telling you it's quality. Whereas the other one's like, if you know, you know, right. Um, <laughs> and I think that's the thing with Rafinha where it's, where it's you, as you said, you're not like just doing the simple things really, really well. Um, and for me, my bigger thing with Rafinha is he can be dangerous, but I I felt bad for him in this game because of the one time that I felt like he put in an amazing cross. Lewandowski just <laughs> absolutely just, yeah, yeah. just ruined it, right? And and I but that's my biggest thing. It's not just about danger. It's not just about like, oh, our player is coming to you and you're opening space for others. It's when you pass that ball, does it go to where it's supposed to? Does it set up your player? And I think the difference for me between a winger that's fast and can be dangerous and could score goals versus a winger that's fast, dangerous, and can play a better pass and score goals is it's huge. Like you, you have a Bakayo Saka, right? Like people are like, is he world-class? It's like he can score, but he also gets a great pass off. And we need Rafinha more so than just scoring goals. We need him to when he passes the ball from his position into the box, it needs to hit a player that's on our team in a position that can help them do something with it. 
otherwise it's just wasted like yeah yeah the thing i i still just can't get over the lack of chemistry they have you know still between the two of them like you know it's just it's just i you know you you remember i mean when you play any sport for any amount of time two weeks three weeks whatever you start to realize your teammates' movements. It's a very easy thing, you know. It's just especially understanding this sport. Exactly, this sport. exactly. And it, and I, to me, it's always just so weird. Is it a, a language barrier? Is it an age barrier? I don't know, but it always feels oil and water to me. It's just, you know, like you said, there was the perfect pass for that. But how many times do you see them going on a counter stuff? You're like, this, this is not. You know, this is going to be a joke, but like, do we even do rondos anymore? Yeah, do we, I, I don't do know. Do practice? Like, I don't see rondo video. Like, you, yeah, we, yeah. We, we used to be the team of triangle passing and like, and not to say that it, the tiki taka stuff, like, it needs to evolve. There's so many different things, but the core of that is knowing your teammates in ways that, like, one of my favorite, one of my best friends, we, we, we played together in high school, but, you know, not always at the same time. I was starting a lot of the games and he wasn't at times of like, we play on like backyard stuff and everything. And we just had this connection. And there've been players where I, I met a guy just playing out and about once. And we just had similar connection. We just knew like, I know he's going to be there and back heels flicks, all these things. And it's such a great thing to have. And to not see that for this team moving forward. And part of it is like, is it kind of what we're talking about at the top of this, right? Where Xavi doesn't really, play a lot of these players together in ways that they should be like even the conversation about the midfield perhaps Oriol Romeo isn't the exact quality as a Frankie and this and the other it's understatement right but at the same time our midfield should be able to plug and play because of yeah. Barca you For should sure. be able to put a player in there and they should be able to do some of the same things maybe not as well as the others but it shouldn't be such a drop-off and and this idea that we're missing this big piece, whether it be a big name or whatever, like for me, I more look at what is our practice like? What, how are these players playing together? So you could say, hey, Romeo, this is what Frankie does. When Frankie's out, this is what you do. You know, like th- that's that's missing. And in, in the Rafinha um, Lewandowski thing, how often have they really played together? Like, you know, with the rise of the mall, like with Rafinha getting his red card all these things like I'm not arguing that we have one set starter and we say for 20 games, regardless of what you do, you're going to be here and that's your position. But if we're going to say Rafinha is a starter, we need to, I would say you give him most of the game and then you put somebody else in, right? Like, but we need to do this more often and, and get that chemistry going because where are we going further down the line if Rafinha is not playing well? I, I love Lamal, Yamal, but he's a kid. He's, yeah, yeah, yeah. he's, he's going to get hit. And and if we don't treat him well, he's going to come by 20, get an ACL tear, and who knows, you know? So I don't know. There, there needs to be something happening over there. Yeah, I mean, when I think of the, the height of the Pep era – the ability to plug and play players when they were injured was because the chemistry on the team and also maybe it has something to do with the rondos that they were doing, but they didn't, it didn't feel as they didn't know how to play with that new player, you know? And on top of that, that's what made the Xavi Iniesta Messi combo so deadly is because they had been playing together for so long. They knew where the movements were going to be all the time. And to me, I just, you know, as a, 
as I've played many sports in my lifetime, and one of the key things that I always think about that I miss about playing sports is the camaraderie, but also just having those moments of chemistry when you score or hit a touchdown or do a great play because of that intuition that you have, you know, and I just don't see that with, with these two. And again, I don't know, again, it could be, uh, it could be many things, you know, it could be a language barrier, age barrier, because, you know, old and young and that type of thing, maybe they don't talk to each other in the, in the, in the locker room and they just show up for practice and that's it. Like he's a guy and I'm a guy, unfortunately. And that could be some of the things. So anyway, just to tie that up, Barca are sitting with 34, third place in La Liga with Madrid and Girona at 38 and Atletico with 31 at fourth. All right, so let's get into the last two things. Uh, we just got news this week that Ter Stegen's going to be out for the next two to three months, which is a huge blow, especially since it's a back injury. I tried to look online for more details, and it just says lower back. Yeah. Again, I saw a really great tweet uh, from one of these Barca influencers that I follow here in Spain, and he said – "I." He said, you know, with the Gavi injury and all the injuries we had before, I think we were able to survive that. But now with the Ter Stegen thing, I think it's going to be a really big stamp on the season because, yes, Iñaki Pena made a nice two games for us, but I think Ter Stegen's level over those matches is going to be affected. What are your kind of thoughts on this injury? And again, you know, with the lower back, you know, I, I'm not sure if you've had any back injuries. I've had, I haven't had any major back injuries. Just like if I lifted and I lifted wrong and I'm just like, oh, even having that little pain, I can't even imagine lower back surgery coming back in two months. Yeah, I've I've had a lower back thing um, for a while. One day I woke up when I was playing college and I just couldn't get out of bed. And Ooh. it turned out it's like a it's a thing some people have one of the lower lumbars and calcitrate. So, for re- randomly, I get lower back pain. The older I've gotten, like, and yeah. it will take me out. The older yeah. I've gotten, it's gotten yeah. worse. Um, but all that to say, I know lower back pains not great. Um, a surgery, even, eh, I don't know, man. I mean, Tristegan has been so key for us. A lot of people have been talking about Inyaki Pena and when we're really going to get to see him I, mm-hmm. now, <laughs> you know, <laughs> this is, this exactly. is, this is, this is, I think this is going to be the, when we get money, do we get a new backup keeper or is Inyaki Pena really the next guy? Right. Yeah. Uh, it's going to be so key though getting back to what we were talking about earlier, that we have a defense that is set, that knows each other well, and we're not, like, now more than ever, we need to stop whatever experimenting that we've been doing defensively. Because if, like, Ter Stegen saved us on so many situations, but we need our fastest center backs to be playing. We need our fastest wingers to be playing. We need to give Inaki Pena all the cover he can get and give him a runway to get these, like, this is duress. We, you wouldn't want to be coming in under this type of situation. It, at, in a season that's critical, being in where we are on the table, knowing that we have to do more in the Champions League, like, all of these things are going to be weighing heavily on this young keeper. Luckily, he's been around for a while with us, right? And he understands the pressures of being at Barca, but not in this way, right? He's going to be, he's asked to fill the shoes of a person that is damn good and has saved us on many occasions. He did well these last couple of games. I hope he can do I, I hope he can continue in this way moving forward. That save on Memphis, he's tall, he's agile. He's yeah, got, yeah. you know, he's he's got the the makings, but it's just gonna be very crucial that we stop messing around in defense and just like set up shop, lock it up. This 
if we play defense like we did last year, and a lot of that was Church Sagan saved us a lot of times, but we have our right midfield now. We have our we have all the defensive players are healthy that we need to be healthy. All the pieces are in the right place. So we could ride this out, I do believe. It sucks, but I think we are in it. Like, think about this if this happened three years ago. Yeah, 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 for sure. You know? My my biggest concern is maybe we might have seen the last of Ter Stegen. That's my biggest fear with this, yeah. Not to, not to put a dire – but, man, you think about – like, I just think about Joe Montana, lower back, and he was never the same. He just was never the same. And the thing is, you know, pro sport is, you know, what have you done for me lately? And also there's a younger, cuter version of you coming up the pipeline in Yaki Pena, you know, and, and cheaper. So my only thing is I'm really concerned because, like you said, when you have decided to surgery on the back, depending on what it is, like if it's, you know, I don't know, they haven't released the details. So I wish I had more information on that to kind of give a little bit more background. But again, even having surgery and saying two or three months, what if happens if it doesn't give? He's definitely on the older side. You know, like there's a lot of things to contend. And my my fear is that we might have seen the last of him as the all in all starter for Barcelona just because of what it is. Again, you know, if it's an ankle, you can, you know, you can definitely go, but a back, I mean, you think about how many times the goal, you know, just, just when they warm up, yeah. <laughs> just when, when they warm up. Yeah, I mean, all of it, a lot of it's your back. It's, it's exactly. Your back. Exactly. Diving and doing all this. Yeah. And it's like, you know, all of a sudden now, if you can't do that with your back, and the thing is, you know, I think Ter Stegen has been one of the best goalkeepers that Barca's ever had, bar none. And the thing is, it's just, you know, it's just one of the things of pro sports. It's when you get older, these type of injuries take over. And that's that's my biggest fear, just reading this. Also understanding, like, that he took some major time to think about actually having the surgery yeah. on top of that. So, you know, it's, it's a big, big decision because obviously it's not going to, you know, with any surgery, it's not always going to be 100%, you know, and that's yeah. that's the kind of the thing. Well, I mean, also on top of that, we as a I love you, you know I love this club, but we have not been good with people getting surgeries the last couple of years Correct. And, and injuries. Um, not even from the did we take care of them well enough so they didn't get that injury. No, just from the you got surgery, okay, like we didn't want you to get surgery or whatever it was. There are too many players that were high levels. And then the way we treated them after their surgery was just ridiculous. So all that to say, I hear you. I understand the fear. I just think with our financial situation and how good he's been, my hope is that the surgery itself doesn't, it it goes well. And if he were to come back to even, I don't want to say half, but even like if he were to come back to 75% of what he was, I think Inaki Pena still Inaki Pena needs we will have to see a lot from him in these next couple of games or in this next couple of months or rest of the season if that's what it is for Ter Stegen to come back at 75% and us to be like nah Inaki is so good that he's he's the guy cuz we're not going to go out and get another world class goalkeeper sure. Sure, sure, right sure. so at the end of the day my hope is that Ter Stegen comes back and is 10% off, you know? But I think the interesting thing about Tristegan with the fan base is you look at two years ago and how many people were like, oh, it's about time for Tristegan to leave. And it's like, he wasn't doing super poorly. He had some moments, but 
I, for a lot of practical reasons, one, he has saved our butts on so many different levels. I, I agree with you. He's one of the best goalkeepers we've ever had. Um, but practically, we don't have the money to get a quality goalkeeper that unless we found a gem and that gem just loved us so much and we could get him in. But I don't think we're going yeah, to. I, I think Pena is good enough to, 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 to do the job. You know, I don't think we're asking, you know. If we were, let's say, a club at a lower level and we didn't have the talent in front of him with the defense and stuff, then I'd be like, oh, man, you know, like we're putting a young kid out there. Like it's a lot. No, but man, like he just needs to do the fundamentals, you know, and he yeah. showed that on Sunday by making that save against the as you said. So yeah. I if, look if, if Pena, if, if he's good enough to do this, then. You know, it sucks that if Tersagan doesn't, if Tersagan can't come back and reclaim his role because the surgery took him out, that sucks for him on a personal level. It sucks for us because we really liked him as a person. I think he probably, they probably lower his rage and make him a second. But like, ultimately, it bodes well for us that we have a younger, cheaper player that is good enough to take us forward, right? We were going to have to make the Tersagan decision in a couple of years anyway. If not, if if we had the money, if we were where we were back in the day, we had the money. I think the conversations of who's the next would have started already, and it would sure. have been looking outside the club to find a young, really good goalkeeper out there. But when you look at goalkeepers across the leagues right now, it's not looking great. I know. Just look at Manchester United. Like that's all yeah. I have to point to. Exactly. So again, just a Ter Stegen's thirty-one. And Pena is 24, just to put in some context of age. But again, the amount of matches that Ter Stegen has played is unbelievable. Like, he's barely been injured. So the consistency yeah. that he's been able to be out in the games is it's been one of those things that you just take for granted. You know, it's just it's really hard in pro sports. You know, you notice it more, like at Dembele, when you don't come to the matches, you know, and you are injured, as opposed to the opposite, right? You just kind yeah. of assume that it's just so easy to do it. But it's really, really hard, That's as we've easy. seen in all different – yeah, exactly. In all different sports – the, the the hardest thing is just to be consistently out there to perform at a level where you can continue to play, right? So that's always the hardest thing. All right, let's get yeah, into the last one, thing. One oh, go thing ahead. Is like, I've, I you, I was thinking for saying it was like 33 or something. 31 in goalkeeper years, it's that's your prime. Yeah, so, yeah. I mean, what, like most goalkeepers, I feel like go to like 36. They have the longer, like, sure. stands, right? So if he comes back, it's a back surgery, so that's the problem. But if he can come back rehab, I honestly take the rest of the season off. Take That's your rehab, come back next year. If you come back even anywhere as good, or you can you can rebuild up by your 33, you're back at that top. Like what Neuer's up there. But yeah, yeah. Most of these goalkeepers, some of the best goalkeepers, Van der Sar played till he was 300. Like correct. And he was still pretty damn good, right? So like yeah. Buffon, what Buffon? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, you know, so I, I don't think it's time to start pushing on that. I, I hope Inyaki does really well. I hope he does well enough to give Ter Sagan the break. Exactly. That's 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 the thing. And I, I'm on your side there, too. You know, give him the time. Why push it two to three months? Like, I understand we're just trying to do that. But, you know, one thing that Barca's medical team is awful at is those timelines that they give. Just like you said, like, I don't know if they go to the low-cost medical clinic or I don't know what is going on over there with their medical staff. 
But yeah, I don't have faith either because just look at the track record. We've never heard like, oh, you know, uh, consistency, successful medical procedures at Barcelona. No, no. you know, like, for example, in this, you know, you know, in the States, when they go to the, the secret medical operations stuff, they always go to Germany. Right. Yeah. So yeah. but we never send our players to Germany to go <laughs> do the operations. It's right next door. <laughs> yeah. Look, if we if we go to the Champions League final and and Ter Stegen has recovered enough by that point then yeah, let's play him. But, you know, bar that, I think you just recover, sir. Take your time, recover, come back better than you were or at least as close as you were. Because I, I as much as I think Inyaki has been good these last couple of games, I don't – just knowing how long it takes a goalkeeper to actually be sure. that good, and he's 24, I just don't think he's he's a number one yet. I mean, personally, I just don't think there's it's that big of a drop off. Unfortunately, I mean, I don't I, like you know we're not talking from like Ter Stegen to a high schooler. You know what I'm saying? Like, and the other thing too is he has world class players in front of him too to defend and so forth, and he has the physical attributes to do the basic stuff. You know, that's all you're asking for, and and so I I think. You know, unfortunately, obviously, we're going to lose something with Ter Stegen, but I think we're going to be okay. Now, it's going to be telling in these next games because now he's going to be the out starter, and maybe that pressure mounts. Whereas before, he's like, "Oh, you know, I'm just two two games, and I'm you know just I'm here to yeah. play." You know, but now there's going to be put that pressure. So we'll, we'll see how that develops. All right, let's get into the last thing: the game preview for Girona, huge match on Sunday, especially where the two teams lie in the table. As I mentioned before, Girona are 38 points tied. With Madrid right now with 12 wins, two losses, one draw. Uh, just really quick, they made some nice signings. Obviously, they took Eric Garcia. But the other day when I was watching Hirona, I didn't know they got Daily Blind. You remember that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know. Yeah. And he's and he's been doing really well for them, you know, pr- being productive as well. Again, they're mostly in a 4-4-2 press, uh, more of a counter style. And that is kind of the worrisome I see in this match because – there's one team that always gives us problems is those good counter teams. And Girona has been playing with that counter and scoring goals. And they have been a lot of fun to watch. I've watched a couple of their matches this season. I watched the last one last week. That was a lot of entertaining. And again, this is going to be a really good test, especially how Barcelona has been playing, you know, gearing yeah. up in better consistency and also for the fight for La Liga table because Madrid has not been letting go and nor has Girona. So what are kind of maybe the things that you're looking for for this match? I mean, first and foremost, congrats to Hirona. Like, the, I, I thought, I was like, oh, this is an early season surge. They're holding on. They're they're doing what they're doing. And you, you know, just when you think of, like, historically, you're like, Hirona? That's, yeah, that's, yeah. A, that's, a, that's a 5-0, you know? That's a throwaway game. The league is different now. Things are different. Um, so congrats to them. But what I'm looking for is just that uh, we continue this attack, that we continue – that. I, if three games in a row, we do not take that, change our approach to passing it back again and all that. And like, we continue to be able to dominate and attack. I'm going to be very happy. That's my first big thing. Um, Are we, are we attacking? Are we playing offensively? Are we kicking the ball forward when we should be? That's one. Um, Two, when you're talking about the counterattack, this is where I think you should start with your two best fast center backs and both of your fast wingers, ring backs. Um, this would be a great time to test that because it's hard to counterattack when there's speed on the defensive line, right? Um, so so there's that. And then 
obviously Lewandowski and Pena, like how does Pena hold up? How does Lewandowski hold up? Does he does he stay, get his service, and does he put him away? Because if Lewandowski comes back and scores like three goals, scores every chance he gets this weekend, right? You quiet all those people there. Like, like I think everybody starts going like, oh, actually, maybe it was, you know, just a service and he just needed the rust off. So, yeah, I'm looking towards that. It'll be interesting to see how Xavi lines up offensively. I don't – it's it's Irona, they're top of the table, so clearly he's going to have to approach this as a big game. Yeah. And I think you go with – I don't think you change your lineup, again, other than what you do defensively. But um, – Attacking, I think you you got to stay with the with the big attacking players. Yeah, I mean, I like you said, I think if Lewandowski hit, hits a goal here or there, he definitely will quiet some of those 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 people that are on the Lewandowski hate train. Um, but again, I again, it is a big match. Um, it is being played at the Mondovi, so that's a good thing. But again, man, the Mondovi just is becoming not even a home field at all because. That place is a terrible field, you know. Just um, I was talking to with my friend when we were watching the match. I think they need to put stands behind the goal because those seats are not even being occupied. But yeah. there's such a massive distance between the field and the stands that you feel as if you're watching a faraway match, you know, like you barely hear the noise. And a lot of people aren't going to the matches as well because the ticket prices are so high. So even though we are playing at home, that obviously gives us an advantage with the field pitch and so forth. But man, it's not, you know, we don't have a distinct home field advantage as compared to other teams in La Liga. Again, I think it's a, a massive match, especially if we want to just end the year on a high. You know, I think we are trending in a positive direction, especially going, you know, as you know, with being a Barca fan, like every month is a trial and tribulation of, of, of injuries and, and how we're playing. You know, you think about it. Remember when you when we won five nothing, you know, the two back to back, right? That feels like two years ago, you know? That's yeah, that. yeah. I still remember being like, potentially if we feel like <laughs> this like we're not going to get tested till the second round of the champions league like we, but that's, but that's well the thing right it's a roller coaster of injuries and load and all this type you know so again but you know as we're seeing the last three matches i hope he rolls out the starting 11 that he did against atletico i think that's going to be a good consistent 11 that covers all our bases and again i think the most important thing is that we have to be really really cognizant of the counter because this is a team that does not throw away chances you know they are very good on the conversion and if they have two or three chances they're going to hit two of them you know they're that type of team right now with that type of momentum and we cannot give them you know the lead three minutes in that's the other yeah. thing you know these are all the things that we've been looking at especially with important matches so again it's going to be a sunday night game nine o'clock local time so obviously as we like to say here in Spain, it's like the primetime match, yeah. obviously. It's the last. So it'll be under the light. So that's a good thing. No siesta time match for us. I don't know if do you have any last thoughts on the Girona match before we wrap yeah, this up. Yeah, I do. I mean, I think, it. you know, as you know, I'm all about sustainability. And <laughs> for me, what we've done these last two games, the difference, it's, it, yes, we've had the Frankies and the Pedris back and things like that. But I think it's more of a, on a foundational level. We are attacking. We are we are playing possession, but also going forward. And you can see the mentality shift. I don't know what it is. It's it's like Xavi has actually told them, "Hey, it's okay to go forward now. It's okay to try." And I think if we go to Girona and we play like that, even if we don't win, 
in the next game we play like that, I think we're setting ourselves up this way to actually win games in the future more so than we have in a while. And so my biggest thing I'm looking for is that we don't change that, that it's not situational. And if we're going to play like that against Atletico Madrid, if we're going to play like that in a big Porto game, then why would we not play like that against Girona? So that's what I'm looking for. That's a good point because Atletico is just as important as Girona now. And so how are you going to line up that lineup? And so we'll see what Xavi does again. Uh, Chavi's still under the microscope here in Spain, and we'll see. I mean, he's trending in the positive direction this week. It's always on a week-to-week basis, you know. That's <laughs> that's just how it is. You know, it, it, it's like it's like crypt, it's like crypto, you know, up and down, yeah. up and down, baby. <laughs> well, you know, Barca. That's a great analogy. Barca is like crypto. We're just, we're just on this roller coaster, ride, exactly, <laughs> trying not to read too far into what's going to happen in two weeks because everything you know could be totally different. I mean, that's the thing, you know, you you think about just let's just really quick. Let's just think about this season in chunks, right? So it's like the beginning of the year. Like, I don't even remember, you know, yeah. September. Sure. October. Yes, because I went to Porto. That's the only reason why I remember that match, you know, and like all these different things. But again, we just take these chunks with these international breaks and it's just like this up and down. And I'm even, you know, looking at the schedule and everything. I'm, I'm really surprised we are where we are because there were days of doom and gloom where we didn't know what we were going to do. Then there was days of like complete euphoria and to be in third place and still in the hunt, I think is really, really outstanding for Chavi, what he's doing this season. Just, we just want more. We just want more consistency. Yeah. I think that's always the biggest thing. So you remember three years ago when that kid, Mark Gui scored that goal when he came on, like how long ago does that feel? <laughs> yeah, I like, know. I know. Like, you even think about the injuries and like, we've had like, I feel like a season's worth of like, key players being injured and things being moved around. Like how often have we really played with what anybody would say is a starting 11? What is our actual starting 11? You know, yeah. like it's just, it's, it's been crazy. And I like to Chavi's credit, there are a lot of things he's had to deal with, but I would say his external circumstances for me are 25%. The rest of it is blame on how he's, how he's sure. 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 Uh, sure. But again, Things are looking good, and I, for one, am happy as hell to have had two podcasts in a row where I'm optimistically <laughs> talking about this team that I love so much, and hopefully it continues. Yeah, I mean, again, it's going to be a huge match. I'm just trying to look at the schedule really quick of how many more matches there are till the end of the year. So that's Girona this week, Antwerp, Valencia, Almeria. Okay, so we have one, two, three, four matches left for the end of the year. One Champions League. So Antwerp, you know, there's no pressure on us because we already won the group. So we can just roll out uh, a a B-side for that one. Valencia is going to be tough at the Mestalla. And then we play Almeria to finish the season. Almeria, that should be should be a cake. Valencia, like the fall off of Valencia has been so crazy to me. But uh, where are they in the table right now? They are, yeah, yeah. But the thing is, yeah. But the thing is, when we play at the Mestaya, there's always another level just because of the hatreds between the two communities. And the other thing too is, 
there's no easy road victories or road places for us now. You know, we can't just roll up with our with our Barca shirts and expect two nothing starts anymore. You know, so that's why I said, yeah, Valencia is not as as high powered as they were, but that to me is always going. To, that's a difficult place. Always. No, I totally so, agree with you. I was just taking a swipe at them. That was also <laughs> the game we went to last year, right? Where it was like correct. It was correct, such correct. a bad game on both oh sides. Um, especially especially after seeing the Femini beforehand, which was like yeah the artwork of football of your lifetime and then going yeah. that <laughs> yeah it was uh but but yeah i it's i'm i'm just i think as a fan and like kind of what craig was saying a couple of weeks ago about like just you know how we how we take these things at this point i'm like one game at a time let's you yeah. know I'm, I'm trying to because the last time i said like projected i basically thought we could go we could keep playing well for like many many months and all that changed so you know at this point it's just like one game at a time things are yeah. looking good now let's just write <laughs> it and enjoy it you sound you sound like a coach slash player you know just taking one yeah. game at a time i don't hear the noise you know this type of thing you know <laughs> you know you got to at this point you got to <laughs> all right remy well um thanks for joining me uh, this was a lot of fun. I'll, hopefully, we'll be able to do this more often in the future. Obviously, with our time differences, it is quite difficult, but hopefully, we'll have more opportunities. Again, thanks for listening. Until next time, Forza Barça. Forza Barça. Have a good one, everyone. Podcast Network.